0: This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Jeremy Thorpe, who's the Chief Economist for PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. day, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having us. Uh, now, Jeremy, uh, Chief Economist at PwC. So, um... Uh, I don't see you much in the press. You're not one of those economists, obviously, who uh, gets out there and comments to, uh, to reporters all the time. Well, we can't
1: compete with the banks. They seem to be out there all the time. No, we're g- generally talking to our clients and uh, it's, maybe it's a little more privately focused advice. How big is your economics team at PwC? Well, we're just under 100. Um, and that's 100 economists. There's a light bulb joke there somewhere, I'm sure. Um, but we do everything from health economics to infrastructure economics to macroeconomic
0: advice. Well, the joke, I think, is that if there's 100 economists, there's two or 300 opinions. <laughs> well, at least 200. That's right. <laughs> now, you've recently put out a paper on um, uh, China and the possibility or what would happen to Australia if China had a hard landing, uh, which I want to talk about. But I, um, perhaps the first thing is, I mean, do, do we believe Chinese statistics and um, – you know, would we know if they had a hard landing? I suppose we'd know from their exports, it's always, uh, from their imports. It's always part of the game. It's a part of the game. Uh,
1: you're quite right. Uh, we've always doubted the accuracy or timeliness of Chinese statistics, but there's a degree of consistency that we see in it, and you can validate, as you said, by thinking about our statistics going into China. Um, but we need to always be cognizant of the official statistics, and that's why you don't look at a single a single Chinese statistic. You're trying to look at the pattern and understand what is actually happening rather than any single estimate.
0: Well, in fact, um, I think the Vice Premier at the time, Li Keqiang, quite a while ago said that you shouldn't look at the statistics, just look at um, uh, electricity consumption, I think cement production, and a few other statistics which turned into the Li Keqiang Index. Which um, everyone watches. Do you watch that? Well, it's the real economy. You're right. It, focusing on actual things that
1: you can count is easier than money flows, for example, in the Chinese economy. Hmm. But we look at a range of statistics um, and it's fair to say um, it most generally trend in a similar direction. So if there is going to be a hard landing in China, I think we would see it and we would feel it at the time as
0: well. So uh, what... What's your odds on a hard landing in China and what would it look like? Well, I think the key for China is understanding where the risks of a hard
1: landing may come from and that might give you a sense of where the, um, if, how material those risks are. One risk One set of risks is internal and that's particularly thinking about the banking system and the shadow banking system and how stable that is. And the second one domestically is around the housing market and whether it's overheated. Um, we've seen both of those risks being material at various times. And in the last couple of months, we saw a bank fail in China for the first time in many years, and we saw the government bail out two banks. So that they are material risks. And obviously, we have external risks to China, and that's particularly the US-China trade dispute and whether the US economy goes into recession. So they are singularly material risks, but they become more material if there's multiple of those at the same time. The Reserve Bank governors previously said China's very good at managing individual risks. Um, so it's a, the, the potential is a number greater than 0% and somewhere less than 100%. But it's, the cost is so significant potentially if we get this as a, as a material risk, a material outcome, that we need to be planning for it and, and treating it as a, as, a, as a potential that is uh, a
0: meaningful potential. I suppose the question is, is it more or less than 50%? do you think? I mean, how, how worried should we be about a hard landing in China? Oh, I think we should be concerned
1: because just as we've ridden the wave up when China's been growing, um, if there is a hard collapse, and given the multitude of potential risks at the moment, um, a hard collapse could mean a fall of from 6% growth to 4% growth, or it could mean a fall to 2% growth. Um I don't think anyone can claim that they know the exact percentage,
0: but it is a material risk that organisations and governments need to be mindful of. Sounds like you're saying that the equivalent of a recession in China is for them to have the same sort of growth as we have. Uh... (laughs) like less than 2% or something. China has had incredible
1: growth as it has had its urbanisation. And we've benefited from that as we've been selling particularly iron ore and coal and other natural resources. Um, But a steady decline as its economy matures and becomes a more consumer-oriented economy is what we need in Australia. If there's significant shifts and significant negative shifts in their growth, um, that's disruptive to our trade. And it's that unplanned for disruption that is a true cost
0: so so what we've got going at the moment is the trade war between the US and China does that um to to what extent does that increase the risks? Do you think of a hard landing in China? I think it does increase it, and one of the the things I don't think people have cottoned onto particularly
1: is what we're seeing out of this trade war is um, a realignment of global supply chains. We're seeing companies move out of China and move into even cheaper manufacturing countries so that they can get around the um, the U.S. tariff walls, and so we're seeing expansion of trade from um, Cambodia and Vietnam and other countries like that, and so we're seeing a in a sense, an acceleration of the change of the Chinese economy, which has been so reliant on cheap manufacturing. It is now actually more expensive manufacturing that it is focusing on, the, the iPhones of the world. Um, and so we, we are seeing some capacity taken out of that, that segment. Um, that means there's going to put pressure on jobs in particularly less skilled areas in China, um, and that will all be an increased risk as uh, we've seen household debt and corporate
0: debt in China increase. So there's one thing to focus on is that, is that America obviously is initiating this this trade war um, but America buys stuff from China, as you say, they um, and they're starting to shift their supply chains, and that's not too that's not too hard. They can find other low uh, low cost destinations to get their stuff made. But we sell stuff to China, and finding a market a, another market like China for our resources, uh, and education and tourism and so on is a is a whole different kettle of fish, isn't it? It is a different ballgame. Obviously, we've got contracts, but whether they
1: would hold up in a a true uh, hard landing in China is a a harder harder issue. But we export roughly 50% of our natural resources to China at the moment. I mean, That's an incredible reliance on one particular country. The IMF has said that Australia is probably the most reliant advanced economy on the, the strength of the Chinese economy. Um, and as you've flagged, uh, we rely on uh, maybe even over over rely on Chinese students and Chinese tourists. So if there's a hard landing in China, um, initially we would see those things we believe contract as um, incomes fall in China. What we really would hope there's a devaluation of the Australian dollar in such an event, and that would allow us to become more competitive in in those markets, the tourism markets and the student markets, that we can either re attract Chinese.
0: Um, students and tourists, or we'd actually open up new potential because we'd become more price competitive. Well, you could just about guarantee there'd be, a, there'd be a substantial devaluation of the Australian dollar, wouldn't there? I mean, there after was- the Asian crisis... In the late '90s, the 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 dollar fell to a low of about forty eight cents. So um, you'd imagine that something similar would happen this time. And
1: the Australian dollar is seen as a proxy currency for the Chinese economy. So, irrespective of our trade with China, um, people buy the Australian dollar as a proxy for the Chinese economy. So we would see a significant devaluation, and you're right. The GFC itself, we saw a sudden devaluation of the dollar down to around 50 cents as well. Um, it certainly bounced back over time, of, in fact, after the GFC quite quickly, but that is our shock absorber for any uh, institutional change from overseas that um, we would become more competitive. Now, that raises costs domestically um, for uh, puts pressure on inflation, but inflation in Australia is below the RBA target, so that's something we shouldn't particularly be worried about. Um, But we should not be viewing the Australian dollar as um, important to hold up. We should allow it to adjust flexibly.
0: What else do you think um, the government – what should the government do, in fact, um, uh, to, to buttress the Australian economy against the possibility of a hard landing in China? Well, in, in one respect, we can't do anything. You know, if the Chinese economy is going to fall, it's going to fall not because of anything
1: we do. But in we need to think about this as an insurance program over the longer term. Uh, we need to be continuing expanding our free trade agreements and really encouraging the growth of free trade agreements in a broader range of economies. That's not something that would solve the problem if China fell over tomorrow, but it would give a longer term um, strength and reduce the risks of our over-reliance on one particular economy. Obviously, India is the great hope in the long term from a scale perspective, but its development path looks very different to China. Um, The government's got a couple of major free trade agreements they're negotiating at the moment, uh, one with the European Union um, and one with a broader ASEAN group. Um, And both of those are, I think, close to signing. And they provide greater opportunity for market entry for Australia's exporters. So we need to continue
0: focusing in that space. Um, just finally, one thing you say in your paper is that the government should be prepared to sacrifice the budget uh, surplus. Um, there's been no sign of them being prepared to do that at this point, Is has there? No. Um, you're right. In the In the China Matters paper that you're
1: referring to, we've said that The budget surplus is almost a rounding error um, at the moment. It's a very small number. If there's a shock to the Chinese economy, we won't be able to protect it and we shouldn't seek to protect it. Um, There'll be a shock to the revenue system, the revenue side that um, Chinese... royalties related to exports, particularly um, iron ore and coal, will fall dramatically. Um, And we would expect to see a rise in unemployment in Australia, which means there's extra costs. So that budget surplus would wither. Um, And if there is such a hard landing, we shouldn't seek to hold the surplus up as a magic
0: thing that we need to protect as well. Mm. Well, great to talk to you, Jeremy. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for your time, Al. I've been talking to Jeremy Thorpe, who's the Chief Economist for PWC.